in you, accessing power for every situation, every circumstance, that we might be overcomers in this life. And in that, we give all the glory and all the honor, all the praise and all the thanksgiving unto you, Jesus. We thank you for what you'll do in every heart, every life. In Jesus' name. And everyone who greets it, amen. Amen. Good morning, church. How are you this morning? This is the day the Lord's made. We get to rejoice. We get to be glad in our time together. Praise the Lord. God uh, is doing tremendous things in the earth, and uh, it's our day. It's our time. Amen. Praise the Lord. Why don't you look at somebody next to you and say this. Say, whatever's born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory. That overcomes the world. Our faith. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Come on, you've been born of God. If you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, you've been born of God. And God's designed you to overcome the things of this world. And how has he designed you to overcome the things of this world? By putting faith in what Jesus has done for you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we're so uh, blessed uh, tonight. Uh, Brother Harry is going to bring a word to us and share with us a, a few things that are going on in Guatemala. But I want to just take a couple of uh, minutes, a couple of seconds, 30 seconds or so. Okay, we'll uh, five seconds. No, come on up here. And uh, just say hi to the people. Praise the Lord. Uh, Harry and Karen have been friends of ours for a long, long time. Pastored, associate pastors, they pastored. Then God sent them to Guatemala. They're doing tremendous things with people in Guatemala. And uh, so just greet the people. Praise the Lord. Everybody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, they've got a picture number two. We're going to pop it up real quick. Um, This is our graduating class here. Uh, We just graduated two weeks ago. How many know God is good? And because of your generosity, because of your sowing into what you're, we're doing through you, through us, you're doing in Guatemala, through us, uh, we were able to have our 12th graduating class. How I many you know God is good? Amen. And I'll share a little bit more tonight, but it's just an honor to be able to serve God in another nation and to train up nationals to do what God's called them to do. And to me, that's a success. If I can help a pastor, if I could help a church leader, a church worker, even a Christian believer live a victorious life and fulfill God's destiny upon their life, I mean, that's success. Amen? That's what it's all about. And again, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for your generosity. Thank you to this church, your pastors. Y'all been generous generous to us and it's been a little bit different two seasons or two years because of COVID and lockdown Guatemala's a little bit still locked down a little bit uh, they can't have public limited in public meetings uh, schools are not open so the last two years we've been online and so this year we were able to do every other month an in-person live meeting with our graduates um, but in uh, I guess it was uh, August we could not do that because the government shut everything down but thanks be to God. How many know where there's a will, there's a way? We had a live in-person graduation. Hallelujah. Praise God. And because you're helping us, because you're partnering with us, the last, we charge a little bit for tuition, just a little bit. It really doesn't even cover the books, but they have a little skin in the game. And so they, a little tuition. Uh, if you're a pastor, senior pastor, you, you come for free. Uh, but the last two years, because of the finances, you know, hardship that they're facing, we didn't charge tuition last year. 
are this year. We blessed them and just gave them the books and gave them the teaching because you helping us reach that nation. Amen. I'll give you more information tonight about what's going on. Hallelujah. Thank you. That uh, just telling us that they were just blessed. They just turned things around just in time for them to have that live graduation. And so glory to God. And so I like that. He said, where there's a will, there's a way. Well, I'm just telling you, we have a will. Come on. We have a will. It's the New Testament. That Testament is his will. Right? It's what he's left to us. And so where there's a will, there's a way. Y'all, this is, this is better than you're getting. Where there's a will, there's a way. We're all thinking, well, if I just have a will, but God's given us his will. And that will and living according to that makes a way for us. Where it seems like there was no way, there's a way. Because God's made a way through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 2. We are uh, glad that if you're visiting with us today, we're so thankful uh, to have you with us. We pray that something within the music or, or, or the word of God or fellowship with others just encourages you. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that something further equips you to go from this place, to govern your own life, to reach out to people, equip you to minister to others as you've been here. If you're here today, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, our prayer is that something that's said, done, ministered to you causes you to know that Jesus is exactly who the Bible says that he is. And he came to broke the, break the power of sin over your life and give you a brand new opportunity in life to live it with him. And uh, he'll be right there with you. His spirit will be with you, washed of the past and a brand new future set, cleansed by the blood and so in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I want to just go over a couple of scriptures. We're, we're talking about PPE, uh, a growing season. And so PPE to most of us means personal protective equipment. And really, this patience, perseverance, and endurance is actually protection for you to get from the beginning to the end. And God knows the beginning from the end, and the moment that we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, something starts in us that God has a planned into. And Paul told the, the, the uh, Philippian church, he said, listen, what God started in you the day that you invited Jesus into your heart to become the master over all, to be the supreme authority over the, the future that you have. He said the work that he started that day he will be faithful to complete it. So God, we already know, God knows the beginning from the end, and he started something that he plans on finishing over a period of time in our life. He has a, a beginning in mind and an end in mind, right? He goes on after that to say that God is at work in us, continually at work in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. So something's going on on the inside of you right now. If you've made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, something is going on on the inside. And you can either ignore it and end up in the same place yesterday as you, you were, uh, you know, today that you were yesterday and tomorrow that you were today. Or you can begin to walk out this very plan of God that is so uh, magnificent. It's bigger than we can imagine now, God's given us an imagination, but as we begin to imagine that, listen, sin is gone. Sin is washed away. 
What does it look like if I've never sinned? What does it look like if I wake up tomorrow and I'm not governed by those desires and the things that I've done wrong and the mistakes? I'm not governed by the guilt and the shame. What does that look like for me? Because that's really the reality of how God sees it. You woke up and his mercies are new every morning. And if we had the idea and the understanding, listen, that doesn't even belong to me anymore. That's not a part of who I am. It's not a part of my thinking. We begin to live differently. And we begin to live towards a different end. And we'd like that to happen with the snap of a finger. But what we don't realize is the moment you made Jesus the Lord of your life, positionally in Christ, it happened. But now God says, I'm going to work it from the inside out. If you'll cooperate with me over a period of time, I'm going to work something from the inside out. I'm going to bring a revelation not only to you, but for those around you. Listen to what I'm saying, not only to you, but for those around you. God has a plan for you, but he wants to demonstrate something to the people around us. And what does he want to demonstrate around us that of his transforming power to show somebody who's struggling with their sin, who's struggling with the situations of their life, what does it look like if I ever got free from this, what would it look like? If I ever didn't carry this guilt around, what would it look like? And we should be the ones that are able to begin to say, whoo. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. But we like that to just happen, somehow to happen. But God wants to get us involved. Because in the process, there is revelation of what God is not only doing, but what he's going to do in that process. And so we understand the process, and we've kind of broken down the process, as I've said before. You can look up those three words, and if you start to really study, you're like, well, they just mean the same thing. But they don't mean the same thing in what we're trying to apply to give you that process of understanding. So Galatians chapter 2.20, I want to give you a little bit of understanding maybe why we're going this direction. Uh, Paul said this, Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. How many of you have been crucified with Christ? See, there's that revelation. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But something happened in that death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. I was there. So when I was crucified with Christ, that old man died. The old man that was governed under sin and shame and guilt because of that sin died. Nevertheless, I live. Well, how could I die yet live? Because of the resurrection. So nevertheless, I live. Yet it's not I that lives, but it's Christ now living in me. See that big empty spot. Now listen, if you say, you, if you pray a prayer to make Jesus the Lord of your life, you still have an empty spot. It's time to bow your knee again and say, listen, I'm not sure what I didn't understand, but I'm inviting you in to be supreme authority, to be Lord. I'm not asking you to come in just to give me some relief. I'm asking you to come in to be the supreme authority. And then he'll rush in, and he'll fill that empty spot on the inside of you, right? So he said, listen, the life I used to live had a big empty spot. But the life that I now live is full. The life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Right? The life that I now live. 
James Stewart, in his, his book, In Christ, he said this, really, when you break down the Greek language, it says, listen, this life that I now live denotes that Paul used to live a different kind of life. So he says, the life that I now live is a different kind of life. And it really goes to an extent of it's not just a different kind of life, but it's a different quality of life. And Paul is speaking of a quality of life that is of the quality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So if we fall short and say, you know, my quality of life. Some people say, you know, I I just don't want to live past a certain age if I don't have a quality of life. But come on, God doesn't want you to live past a certain age without his quality of life. So he said, listen, when you die to your old man and you raise to a newness of life that's a different kind of quality of life, God said, I want you to have the same quality of life as the resurrection. Some people look and say, I don't know about my quality of life. God says, you have a high quality of life. It's called life to the overflow or life more abundantly. Right? Life more abundantly. So 2 Corinthians 5.17, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, that if any man be in Christ, if any man be engrafted into Christ, if anybody be uh, 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 brought into Christ, we could say it like this in our modern terminology, if anybody be bundled together with Christ, you ever had to bundle some things together? Bundle your internet, your phone. (laughs) It all now comes in a bundle. It comes under one heading. You're bundled together. Well, now all of a sudden we come, we're bundled together with Christ. We're intertwined with Christ. If any man be in Christ, then he's a new creation. Everybody say new creation. He's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new, and now everything is of God, who has reconciled us to himself. He's brought us unto himself, right? So there you have it again. Any man that be in Christ is a new creation, a different kind of life, a new creation, uh, uh, something that's never existed before, something new in kind and new in quality. So Romans chapter 6, turn over to Romans chapter 6, starting verse 1. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. is what shall we say they've just said where sin abounds grace does much more abound you know some about 10 years ago a decade ago or something we had a lot of teaching on grace and grace covers it and really that same question was like whoo since grace abounds well i guess we can sin and it doesn't matter grace covers it i mean this this has been going on for a long time the devil's been trying to convince people well grace you can sin if you want because grace covers it but what that's not what paul was saying Paul was explaining, Romans chapter 5, he said, listen, you have to understand that through one man, Adam, sin entered the earth. And when it entered into the earth, it filtered to every single person. But, and sin came to all men, but through one man, Jesus Christ, justification came to all men. So he said, listen, if you receive, right, the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, you will reign in life or reign over circumstances of life through Jesus, the one man who broke the power and the destiny of the other 
one man. And he said, because of the one man, sin abounded to all. But where it looked like sin had taken over, Jesus came and released grace. And through that, we see that where grace is abounding, sin must stop. Where grace abounds, sin must stop. So they must have, you know, misunderstood just a little bit as he was writing that because they said, well, good. So should we sin to see grace abound? He said, God forbid. Let me go over this one more time. You must not have understood what I said. <laughs> right? And we do that. We're like, whoo, okay, well, God's got it. He said, no, you got to understand when, when grace comes to abound because sin is abounding, grace comes to put sin underfoot. Grace didn't come to make light of sin. Grace came to put sin underfoot. Something you and I could not do because of Adam. But God released a grace that we access through faith that puts sin, its desires, its consequences, its pull, the death that comes with it under our feet. So he said, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know? Come on, church, 2,000 years later, we're scratching our head. Why are we continuing to live and have sin seem to rule areas of our life if we died to it? Because we're still not sure yet. So we keep meditating the word. Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. See, he just says it to the church at Rome differently. He said to the Galatian church, I was crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet it's not I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live, this newness of life, I live by faith in the Son of God. Right here he says, I want you to understand how grace begins to abound over sin, over the old nature. You were buried with Christ. And if you were buried with Christ, if you made him the Lord of your life, that when he died, you died with him. If you were crucified with Christ, then you were raised with him also. When you were raised with him, all of a sudden something happened. The spirit of God came to dwell in you and you became a new creation. And old things were washed away and behold, everything became new. There's a newness of life. <clears throat> and so when we're talking about patience and perseverance and endurance, we're really talking about there's a beginning and an end. When you make Jesus the Lord of your life, you have just stepped over the threshold of a new kind of life and a new quality of life. And God sees the end of that, and the Apostle Paul saw the end of it. He said, this is what I do. I press towards the prize of the mark of the high calling that's in Christ Jesus. What's the high calling? To become more like him. We were called out of darkness and the bondage of sin, and we were called to be sons and daughters of God, to become like Jesus. See, we're all trying to look what, for what our calling is. What's my ministry calling? But the highest calling is to become more like him. 
And so there's a process that takes place. And it takes this time and this process that takes place. And we understand this process, don't we? We've called it patience, perseverance, and endurance. And in in patience, James says there's a trying of your faith. There's a trying of your faith that works patience. But go ahead and let patience have its perfect work. In other words, when your faith is tried, you don't just sit back and kick your feet up and say, well, I'll wait until something happens. He said, no, when your faith is tried, you get into the book and you begin to study. Because when your faith is tried, what happens? You should be locating and I should be locating my faith. Jesus always went with the disciples to try to locate their faith. When they were crying out saying, don't you care that we even die? He said, you're pretty much at no faith right now. (laughs) Right? If you're crying out and saying, God, you don't even care if I die, you're pretty much at no faith right now. And then when they were complaining and they were saying, you didn't bring no bread. You dummy, you didn't bring lunch. Listen, Jesus is talking about bread. You dummy, you didn't bring any lunch. And Jesus said, well, right now you have just a little faith. Because if you just thought about it for a minute, you were around when I fed 5,000, you were around when I fed 4,000, and you think I'm talking about lunch? Come on, you got to be kidding me. (laughs) Right? And then he observed a couple people, and he said, wow, wowzer. The centurion came, and he said, listen, you don't even have to come to my house, man. You just speak the word. And he said, now there's some great faith right there. Jesus was always locating faith. He wants to locate our faith. And so the enemy wants to locate your faith. I don't know if you figured that out or not. He wants to locate your faith. So he'll test. You'll say, man, I just believe God. And he'll come and see if you believe God. And when we find out, we find out if we're passing the test. And it's okay if you didn't. You get a redo. Good thing about God, it can even be an open book test. And so when our faith is tested, we get into the word. We go, we hear the word, we meditate the word, we pray and we praise. We begin to confess the word. Once we know the word, we speak, as Pastor Tasha said, we we begin to speak to mountains. We begin to speak to situations over and over and over. We continually confess. We don't abandon the confession of our faith. We hold fast to the confession of our faith. Because we're starting to locate, okay, this is where I didn't apply faith as the test came, and all of a sudden it comes. And then we get through that, and we start to persevere in application because we're moving to an end, and it's becoming more like him. It's the prize of the mark of the high call. So we do that. You know, if you, when you were a kid or you got in high school, you desired to be an aerospace engineer. You couldn't keep flunking your math tests. Right? So we go through school, and we have tests. And what do we do when we have those tests? We get into the book. We memorize. We study. We look at application, and then we're tested. And we're tested. And then we take another test, and we take another test. And the situation is different. We take another test. But when we pass the test, we get the diploma. Then guess what? We get to step into the operation or the application of now what we're doing in that profession. And that's when you get to say, wow, I got all this book knowledge, but now I get to actually do it. Right. 
And then what am I going to accomplish to get the end of why did I want to be an aerospace engineer is to make a difference. And so as I do it, I start to learn more and I learn, stir up what's on the inside of me and I come up with a witty invention or I come up with the next way to take it to another level. When I do that and I retire, I hand it off to someone else and it does something great. We understand all that. We're, whoo, right here we have electricians who you're working every day right now, but you're going to school because now you're an apprentice, but you hope to be a journeyman, and maybe you'll go to be a master electrician, and you're being taught by master electricians, led by journeymen, but you're an apprentice, and so you're being tested and going to school every day to get to a goal that you're at. Looked at it in coaching, we'd show up every day. They hated it. Kids hated it. We're just going to go through fundamentals today. You're going to take ground balls and learn to keep your butt down. Keep your eye on the ball. You're going to hit off this tee. Well, we don't want to hit off a tee. We want to hit a home run. And you just hit off that tee and it goes in there. But you're, you're practicing the fundamentals. Day in and day out, you're practicing the fundamentals. We're testing them. We're having batting practice. We're having infield practice. We're testing your fundamentals. Why? Because game day is coming. The application of what you've been practicing is going to come to light. And we're going to have to persevere. Not just get excited, but we're going to have to persevere. Through different innings in different games, in different times, different adversity that comes. In different games, we're going to have to persevere. Why? Because we have a goal at the end of the season to be champions. And so we're going to have to endure however many games there are to get to the end. And then we come over to our Christian life and we're like... Why can't it just be over? Why can't I just be the apostle? Because the enemy will kick your butt from here around the world. So I have the anointing, but the anointing will take you places that your character can't keep you. So God says, I want to develop you, and there's going to be tests every day. You're going to have some book knowledge, you're going to listen to some tapes, you're going to go to church, and then there's going to be tests. Can you pass that? Can you confess that? Can you declare that? In the midst, can you pray and can you praise? Why? Because if you get that, then I'm going to give you influence to apply it with other people. And then we'll get to see how long you last when you have to deal with people. Because you with Jesus studying the word, man, it's heaven. But now you get to deal with other people. And you get to apply it with other people. And can you persevere in prayer? Can you persevere in the word? Can you persevere? Come on. And endure till the end because the end is what? Becoming like him. It's becoming like him. See, so often as believers, we have the wrong goal. I just want to be an apostle. I just want to be a prophet. I just want to teach in the church. But he says the end goal is being like me. The end goal is understanding that someday you're going to stand before me. And the hope, the expectation is that I'll be like you. So what am I doing every day? Am I working towards the place of the goal of being like him or just trying to get to heaven? But when you get to heaven, you'll stand before him. And the goal will be to be like him. And so we're talking about that patience. And we talked about that patience. What we do in that patience, perseverance. Last week we talked about persevering in prayer. 
That woman with the unjust judge, she persevered in prayer. Daniel persevered in prayer. He continued to pray. I mean, his prayer was intense, but he prayed 21 days. Some of us can't pray too. But you know what? The angel showed up in Daniel chapter 10. The angel showed up and he, and he said, I'm here right now standing before you with an answer from heaven because you stayed steady in prayer. I'm here on account of your words. If Daniel would have went 10 days and said, well, God must not care, he never would have had the answer. But he continued to persevere in prayer till the answer came. Come on, there's times when you have all the faith in the world, you know what to confess, and then you start to say, well, it's not working. But when you know that that faith is down in your heart and that God has an answer for you, you don't care how long it takes. You persevere. You continue to pray. You continue to confess the word. You continue to look to God for the answer. And if he did it for Daniel, he'll do it for you. It doesn't matter if it takes five days or two days or 21 days or 48 days or two years. Whatever the struggle, God will give you the answer. Sorry, I'm not even thinking about the word. I'm thinking about how squeaky my voice might be or something. They tell tell me in the morning my voice is high and in the morning and the night my voice is low. I have two different... So I just started to think about how high my voice might be, must be right now. <laughs> Amen. Sorry about that. I digress. And so we persevere in prayer. Right? We persevere in faith. Be a great, just a great study. If this is resonating in your heart, which I hope it is, because, man, the more we become like Jesus, the more when we go out, it's not spooky to be like Jesus. Some people are trying to be spooky like Jesus. He's not, he wasn't spooky. He just had the character of his father. He didn't just float around spooky. He walked around and he looked at people and he listened. And he really said this. He said, what would dad do? He was looking at what made God God and how God responded in situations because he knew that. And he said... I'm just going to have the same character that my father has. And if we get to that point of saying, listen, I want to be like Jesus. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says, he was the express image of the father. He was the very brightness of his glory. He was God manifest in the flesh, the son of God. He said, I'm bestowing the Spirit of God on you. And Philip came and said, can we see the Father someday? And Jesus said, are you kidding me? After three and a half years, Philip, three and a half years, and you haven't got it yet. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Come on. Now listen, I know this will be a a tough one for us to grasp a little bit. But if we start being influential where we live, where we work, I'm not talking about being haughty or high-minded. I'm talking about developing the character of God himself. I'm talking to myself as well as you. Somebody says, I'd like to see what Jesus was like. Of course, we have the word of God. 
But our heart's desire should be, when somebody says, could you show me Jesus? So if you've seen what's going on in me, you've seen him. Because he's called us to be an express image of Jesus. Say, so come on now. All right, I'm glad you asked that question. I'll go off, off, off course here. Go over to, this is your fault, Colossians <laughs> cha- chapter, <laughs> Colossians chapter 3. Y'all look at me like that. I just got to go to it. Oh, come on. Now I can't find it. It's the button. It's the button. Praise the Lord. I got it. Praise the Lord. What? Colossians 3.10. Listen, he says, and I put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. He said, listen, you're going to put on a new man. And as you know it, you realize, man, this is the same image of him who created him. So our goal is to be like it. So I said, if you, you know, here's a good study if you want to come to that pl- place. Here's a good study. Just go to Hebrews chapter 11. Here's a whole chapter of men and women who persevered in faith. Right, it says they lived by faith, but they persevered. Noah, by faith, got the, 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 the plans for the ark, but he had to persevere in faith through whatever it took from the beginning of you build an ark to the rain coming down, everything being in the ark, ready to go. He had to continue in faith every step of the way. Every step of the way. He didn't just go, I'm in faith. I experienced, wow, man, I built an ark and nobody had ever built one before. I did that by believing God. But listen, if he didn't, round up the animals two by two, it wouldn't have mattered that he built an ark. He had to continue in faith to put the animals in the ark. Then close up the door. Would have been a sinking ship. (laughs) So he had to just keep going. So we persevere in prayer. We persevere in faith. We persevere in, in our conduct and what we do. We keep going. And in that perseverance, Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. We've used this text quite a few times. He says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Come on, you're already standing in the grace. You start to access it by faith. Why? Because you're justified. 
If you understand I'm justified, what does that mean? You're made righteous. You're forgiven. You're sanctified out of the world and all of this stuff, and you're set right smack dab in God's grace. Everything that you need, everything that I need that pertains to life and godliness, everything that you need for boldness to share with your neighbors, everything that you need to stretch forth your hand to bring healing, everything that you need to be influential in your business, everything that you need to be a good dad, a good mom, a good husband, a good wife. And really not even good. God wants you to be great. Everything that you need to be everything that God called you to be, he's already provided by his grace. So when you come in and get born again, you're standing in the grace. He said, well, I don't feel like I'm standing in the grace. Well, that's one, one issue. But then he said, you got to believe that that grace is there. And quit struggling to be everything that you want to be. And begin to develop your faith through patience. You have time right now to develop your faith. Why is it important to develop my faith? Because I'm standing in grace, and the only way to access the grace, the unmerited favor, the ability of God, and the influence of the Spirit of God to change my life is through faith. And if I don't develop my faith, I can't access the grace. And if I can't access the grace, I will only do it in my own strength. And except the Lord build the house, he labors in vain who builds it. And once we start trying to do it without grace, we will wear ourselves out and we'll say it didn't work. And I'm just tired of trying to serve the Lord. But he says, when you get burdened and heavy laden, come unto me and I will give you rest. He said, for my burden is light and my yoke is easy. My grace makes difficult things easy. My grace makes doors that you thought would never open, open. My favor upon your life will cause things to happen for you that you never dreamed would happen. Grace is amazing. We've sang that it's amazing, but we haven't realized it's only access through faith, and we've allowed our faith to just go by the wayside. So we have to persevere. Sorry, I got distracted. Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Come on, we need to do a little bit more rejoicing. Why? Because we have hope. We're not hopeless. We have hope. The glory of God. Come on, if you don't have hope of the glory of God showing up, start rejoicing. Get a hope. Come on. I'm just declaring the glory of God. I'm being changed from one degree of glory to the next. Where the spirit of the Lord is, where he's made Lord, there's liberty. Liberty to do what? To let him change us from one degree of glory to the next. Even as by the spirit of God, there should be transformation going on. Why? Why should there be transformation? Why? Come on, quit pressing us, pastor. Come on, can't we just rest for a moment? Can't we just be the same for a little while? Why would you want to? You're on your track from becoming more like the devil and bound by sin. You're on a track to becoming like Jesus. Why would you want to stop in the middle one day and say, can't I just relax and be human? Why? When there's supernatural human ability from God to change things. Well, I'm just tired. Exactly. You keep trying to do it the way you used to do it. 
and it's wearing you out. But if we start to meditate on the word and endure and begin to apply the word, and that's that place. It's like faith. We build faith. But now perseverance is about the application of the word. It's about the application of the word. So we can know it. We can confess it. We can come to church and talk about it. But what's happening on Wednesday when hell's breaking loose? (laughs) Wednesday's coming. But then Sunday's coming. So it sounds good on Sunday. But Wednesday, if we lose track of it, we can't even persevere one week. We start persevering a week. Two weeks, three weeks. Now the application of it's happening. And now we start to see a revelation of the glory of God working in our life. And we see the beginning from the end. And we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but we are those who press in. We keep moving. We keep persevering. We endure till the end. We don't compromise. We're not trying to look like somebody else. We're endeavoring to look like Jesus. That's too much pressure. There shouldn't be any pressure. He didn't put pressure. He did all the heavy lifting. He died on the cross. Oh, God, it's too much pressure to be like Jesus. Come on. He broke the power of sin for you, for me, so we could be like him. And when God looks at you through the blood, he already sees you like him. He's just like, I need you to meditate this so you start to see yourself like I see you. That's why he called it a mirror. And so he said this, we hope in the glory of God. And not only that, we glory in tribulation. Why? Because tribulation brings perseverance and perseverance character. He didn't say, I'm glad when trouble comes. He said, I'm glad for what trouble has produced in me. He said, God, my goal is to be like him. My goal is to know him in the power of his resurrection. If I know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, that if I might attain to his death, I might also attain to his resurrection. He said, I have a beginning and an end, and I'm right in the middle, and there's some trouble. But I can't quit in this trouble because I have an end that I'm moving towards. And then I found out that trouble didn't destroy me. That trouble made me stronger. That trouble developed more of the character of Jesus in me. And thank God there was no quit in Jesus. So we don't look at trouble as a bad thing. We look at trouble, and we laugh at trouble. Come on, I'm preaching to myself as well as you. Some people will go like, that Mark Hankins, I don't want to come. All he does is make us laugh. It's time to laugh at adversity. To look and say, ha-ha, devil, you think this is going to break me down? Had you known what that trouble was going to do, you never would have brought it my way. Come on, we're still living in the Word of God, aren't we? It said, if he'd have known and the rulers of this world would have known what they were doing, they never would have crucified the Lord of glory. Because when he raised from the dead, they had more on their hands than they knew what to do with. (laughs) They had these disciples filled with the Holy Spirit. Then 3,000 people got saved and 5,000 people got saved. And they were dealing with one Jesus before. Now they're dealing with 8,000 Jesus. (laughs) And when we let trouble produce character, the character of Jesus... We can laugh and say, ha, ha, you thought that would break me down? Something supernatural happened. It changed me. I'm more like Jesus after the trouble than I was going in. Because that is my goal, to become more like him. 
Because when we're more like him, wherever we go, that's how we start to reach the people around us. It's how when we walk into the room at work and nobody knows Jesus, and they're all just acting like they could care less, something moves in your heart and says, oh my God, as dark as it seems, you love them. And it caught me by surprise, but I love them too. I went through some trouble, and now I know this character of Jesus is developing in me. Real quick, I'm just going to share this one thing with you and then quit. Say, how do we do this? Well, one, we got to throw off the things, as James says, the filthiness and all that stuff that goes on. And we'll talk about this a little bit next week. But you know, you're walking through that adversity is really just a, a, a test, and there's Levels of tests to, to understand what we're doing. And Alan shared this. He said, you know, there in Matthew chapter 25, he said there was a test right there of the small things. So many Christians end up not even persevering the small things. It exposes character. It exposes a, a character of pride. I'm not doing the little thing. What happens when we don't persevere, when we don't take that small thing and we look and say, you know, how come that guy got five? How come that guy got two? And how come I got one? And we don't trust the master. What happened? What did he do? His character was exposed. The character of the other two, they were tested. They They had watched the master. They knew the master. They knew how he did things. And they reproduced what they had. And this one, he made excuses. He didn't really know his master. His master had given him of his own resource. He was actually generous. If you look at the other two, they knew he was generous. But he began to make an excuse. And he began to say, I'm just a victim of who you are. Sure, you gave me one, but really just one? And I didn't really, he didn't really know who he was. He accused him of being somewhere. And the master said, if, I was really, if you really believed what you just said about me, You'd have done something different. But you were prideful and you wanted more than one talent. But your character is exposed. And now you're a liar. Because you didn't bury that because I was a hard man. You buried it because you were lazy. And then you blamed me. Dishonor. In one small thing, his character was exposed. Test of the small things just begins exposing character. Man, that got quiet. When we see and somebody gives us a small thing, God gives us a small thing to do. And instead of telling him why we can't, say, thank you, Lord. I've been studying your word. I've been meditating your word. I've been praising you. I've been praying. I've been asking for something to do. I thought it was going to be to preach to thousands, but now you want me to just clean the toilets. But I'll do it. And somebody's going to comment to pastor that I've never, ever, ever seen the toilet so shiny in all of my days. I know, that's the fear of everybody. Oh, God, I'm going to have to clean the toilets. Just hang with me. Come on, it's just an attitude of heart. But all of a sudden, when somebody sees, who's cleaning them toilets? He who's faithful with little will be given more. 
Why do you say that? Because if you can persevere the little things, your character's developing. I'll give you more, and I'll give you more. Talk about some other things, but perseverance is not just the test, of, or the, the test, but it's the trial. It's the application of the word. Can you apply the word? Can you apply it and develop the character needed, the honesty, the integrity, the honor, the love? Just in the little things, because when they get bigger, it's more difficult. But boy, when you start doing it, you start moving, then you start to see, wow, wow. Something's going on in me. People start to look and say, I don't know what's going on in you, but something's going on in you. And all of a sudden, you start to see that surprise of the mark of the high calling. I'm enduring till the end. There's no quit here. I won't let anybody offend me. I won't let anybody make me feel lesser, right? Not because I'm in pride. I'll do whatever you need me to do. But I know who I am in Christ. And I'm changing every single day. I'm being changed from one degree of glory to the next, and I'll not quit. I'll persevere through the situations and apply the word of God. And as I begin to apply them, we start moving through these things to things that are much more important, much more valuable. But that means we need much more character because of the value of what God is about to give us and entrust to us great riches souls of men. Father, we thank you. We praise you and magnify you, glorify you. Holy Spirit, deal with our hearts that we truly might see the beginning of the end.